Hi, this is Candy O'Terry. Welcome to the story behind her success. If you've been depressed about what's going on in the world, or if you've ever felt alone and you needed some encouragement, the woman you are about to meet just might be able to help because she's been there more than once and she's here to share what she's learned along the way about why we're here on this earth in the first place. And make no mistake about it, her own path has not been easy. Born with a rare deformity, she thought she wasn't worthy of being loved. She even thought about ending her life, and she'll tell you how she got past that desperate feeling to create a fulfilling, joyful life for herself. She's an intuitive coach, a healer, an inspirational speaker, and the author of three books. Her workshops and retreats have one purpose, to help you heal and live your best life, no matter what's going on around you. Her name is Steph Palermo, and this is her story. Steph, welcome to the show. Candy, thank you so much for having me here. I'm thrilled. I'm so happy that you're here in my house, which is my makeshift recording studio. I love it. <laughs> Let's go back to 2013 and a blog that you wrote. Steph, you sent this to me, and I tell you, it really affected me so much. It's so honest. And when you wrote it, you really shook up a lot of your friends who did not know this. It's called What's Over the Fence. And I think if we start here, listeners will get an understanding of where you've been and how you got to where you are today. Talk to us about what's over the fence. Well, that one day I was walking and, you know, doing my exercise that morning and I knew I wasn't right. I knew I didn't feel good about my life, about myself. I was walking over 285, which is Atlanta's Beltway, where I was living at the time, and there was a fence, and I looked up and I thought, what would it take for me to just climb and hoist myself over and throw myself onto 285? And I looked up, and tears came to my eyes, and I said, no, this isn't the way to go. And it really wasn't that I wanted to hurt myself. It was that I just wanted the pain to be over. And I thought, dead has got to be better than this. You talked about self-loathing in the blog as well. How did you get to that place of feeling so badly about yourself? Well, growing up with a rare disorder, Poland syndrome, which is basically I have a limb difference and dealing with all of that growing up and not feeling good in my own skin, feeling ugly, unattractive, not worth healthy relationships, not worth being successful in my life. And then what happens when you have that, you make choices that perpetuate those dysfunctional thoughts that are catastrophic. I felt that I had nothing to give to the world. I said, what difference does it make if I wasn't here? Let's go all the way back to you are a little girl and you were born. Tell me a little bit about what this is called again. And also when you figured it out that you were different. Talk to me about that. Poland syndrome, it affects one in 20,000. It's a rare disorder. There are 7,000 rare diseases and disorders. One in 10 persons has a rare disorder and it affects my right side. It, and for everyone, it's different. Some people, they're missing just their pec muscles. They might be missing a rib on that side. And for me, it was, I was missing my right pectoral muscle, but also it affected my hand. And my arm was shorter and I was missing fingers. And they don't know how this happens. They think it happens during the sixth week of gestation when blood flow is diminished either one side or the other. 
the thing about this disorder is it's more prevalent in men. So it's even more rare for me. And it does affect the right side more than the left across the board. And I am right side affected. I can tell you a lot of it's heartbreaking. So there you are growing up. And oh boy, children can be mean sometimes. What happened to you? <laughs> you know, yeah. oh my gosh. And I, I have to say, most people were wonderful. But you remember all the bad stuff. That's the stuff that sticks in your head and the, the hurtful things. We talked a little bit before making arrangements for you to come and do this interview. We talked about how we both believe in how transformative it is to have a childhood trauma. Oh, absolutely. I am who I am and I am where I am because of everything that's led up to this point. And that includes my childhood and having to deal with that. And finally, it wasn't until I was an adult that I really recognized, I think I was in pretend world for years. And I said, oh my gosh, it dawned on me that I had all this suffering. I had been suppressing it. How do you learn to love yourself when you feel as if people are making fun of you or making you feel different or making you feel not worth it. How did you find the love? You have to go inside. And I got a lot of help. I immersed myself in therapy for years to try and figure it out. My parents were wonderful. They did what they could, but they didn't have it. I mean, we're talking about the 70s. It's not like today where I say, okay, let's jump in. We're all going to therapy. It's all going to be okay. (laughs) Nobody did that in the 70s. You know, you're reminding me of uh, when my mother was diagnosed with breast cancer. She just used to call it the C word. You know, she wouldn't even say (laughs) breast cancer. And there was no such thing as counseling. And we never talked about it. And everything was shoved right under the rug. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about your books. You handed me one when we first met today and, and you walked into my home. It's called It's Not Personal, Sonny. It's Business. Talk to me about that. Well, this is my third book, actually. And I was raised steeped in Sicilian traditions. And I love my heritage so much. My grandmother was born in Sicily. And the food, the family, the dinner table, the respect, loyalty, generosity, all of the things I talk about in this book, love, it's amazing. And what happened was, is all these things that I talked about with clients, on my radio show, in my Facebook Lives, with friends, I actually went to Sicily and I said, oh my gosh, this is everything on steroids. This is where I come from too. Did you get that sense? Oh, this is, I was you home. were connected. Oh, I was home. It was like being in Boston for me. So this is your third book. So let's back it up. So tell me about your first and second. My first book was The Only Way Is Up. And I basically took all my blogs and put them together and and created a book. It's my story of getting comfortable in my own skin. So they're little mini stories about me and my thoughts on life and living. And that's available on Amazon as well and in all the different formats. My second book, I haven't published yet. It's called Where the Hell are the Ruby Slippers? The Search for the Power. And (laughs) click the slippers together three times, right? Yes. Well, when I was living in Atlanta, my friends up here called me Dorothy because they would say, there's no place like home, Dorothy. And uh, they were right. And I ended up back here. However, that book is like the first. It's a compilation of my later blogs. 
the thing about that second book is the writing is much more evolved. Tell me how just <laughs> Steph came around. Okay, this I is, love that. Well, this is what was going on. I was still married at the time when I was forming my company, and I was realizing that I never got to be Steph Palermo. I never got to be the person who is sitting in front of you right now. But I didn't want to disrespect my marriage at the time. And I said, I'm not Stephanie O'Connell. I'm not Steph Palermo. Who am I? I'm just Steph. I'm just Steph. And I know it sounds like it diminishes who I am. But for me, it really doesn't. It's who I am. I'm just Steph. I'm just that girl from Boston. So speaking of just Steph, after you have that experience in 2013, thinking that you might want to just hurl yourself off of that overpass, you really started to dive into what you were going to do with the rest of your life. Let's talk about that. You are an intuitive coach. You're also a healer. How did those gifts present themselves to you? Well, the funny thing is, is I've known these things all my life. I just thought everybody saw and felt what I did. And as I began to write and as I began to talk with different people, I found that they had names. And I said, oh my gosh, this is what I do. And I said, I want to do what I love. And what I love is to help people and to show them that if I can do it, they can too. And every soul has a journey. I can help by intuitively reading souls and energy and help you get on your soul's right path. And so it just evolved. And I just, I branded. What's the difference, Steph, between being a psychic and being an intuitive? How I can really explain it is if you go into a psychic, you sit down and they'll say, oh, this is coming up for you. You're going to meet tall, dark, and handsome. (laughs) You might lose your job, but you're going to get a new one. You'll see this happen in your family. It's not like that for me. I read energy and I read the soul. So it's, it's about what is the right thing for you. It's more like you get this wrong. You need to sort of figure this out and make these changes in your life so you can be the happiest you can be. That's the difference. I'm not saying there's not a use for a psychic, but I think that if you get on your soul path, you'll be the happiest. Then go to the psychic and see what you got going on. Let's talk a little bit about, you've mentioned souls a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Tell me, what is your theory about life and a spiritual piece to each one of us? First of all, our spirit is a piece of the eternal. That's our inner being, our source. That's how we live. Our soul is the driver. The body is the car. So our soul is connected to the infinite. And if we can just tap into it, we have powers more than we could ever imagine in terms of intuition, knowing what's good for us. It's that body-soul connection that's very important. So I believe that we're guided by the infinite creator if we want to tap into that. You are also a healer. How does that work? Is it a laying on of hands? Is it an understanding of what might be wrong with someone from a physical standpoint? I actually have done both. I have laid hands on people and they, you know, I've done, they go, ah, it's because it's hot, Uh hot hands. Um, But it's not just that. It's also healing words, encouragement, healing hearts. So it's a life healing. My gifts I found are more of a relief not a cure. 
And then I get them to listen to me and say, this is what you need to do to change your life to be healed. Let's talk a little bit about when a person comes to a retreat Mm -hmm. with just Steph. The best thing about all of the things that I do, whether it's a workshop or retreat, I spend time sharing ideas, but also encouraging discussion. And the retreats in Sicily, which we will be starting back up in the fall, hopefully. Fingers crossed. Right? And I'm going to teach people how to live like a Sicilian because their life is so stress-free. We're going to go to sacred sites. And I will be working with people with healing one-on-one, getting them on their soul's path. That's what I do. And the retreats and workshops are being close to me in those capacities and having me up close and personal and being able to have me share my gifts with my retreatants and my uh, workshop attendees. I'm going to guess that throughout the course of this beautiful career of yours, that you've had some amazing success stories about people that you've worked with. Any that you could share right now? I've worked with people who have gotten on the right path. They have said, oh my gosh, thank you for showing me the way. Even with healing, like talking to you is soothing. I feel comfortable. It's all about really feeling your best and feeling good. And when I work with people and I hear those words, like you are an inspiration. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for helping me understand where I'm supposed to go. I can't help but ask, how much healing have you received from this work? I'm always on my own healing journey always. And when I work with people, there is nothing better for me. It is so exciting to see people turn their lives around and be happy. I know that you are a mom. Can we talk a little bit about how did you change when you became a mother? So I have four sons. Oh, boy. (laughs) And uh, yeah, I one who's married and lived lives in DC. Uh, So uh, he's working on the hill. So that's interesting. But uh, so my boys, uh, my first son, I think I was in shock. I was 25 years old when I gave birth to him. And I remember at first, I think I just cried. (laughs) You know, I kind of think that you and I were doing the same thing. I remember they handed me this baby and I thought, and I'm 21. And I thought, whoa, I'm supposed to do something here. (laughs) Right. I'm responsible for this child. Absolutely. Uh I just got into my Sicilian mode. You know, feeding, bathing, you know, dinner, bath, books, bed, (laughs) and, you know, getting in the car, driving kids around, baseball. I I can't tell you how many baseball games I've been to. What is mother love? It's actually that tough love and explaining what is really good for them and sometimes kind of putting your foot down and saying, yeah, no, you're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I do believe, and I, I tell everyone that I get the chance to talk to, and thank you again for coming here today, that I do believe that our childhood really does give us a foundation. Absolutely. And you're a Boston girl. Can mm-hmm. you tell us all a little bit about where you were raised, where you grew up, and what it was like in your house when you were growing up? Okay. Well, I'm from Medford, and uh, Medford, Massachusetts, just north of Boston. I grew up in a very Italian neighborhood, Sicilians, all kinds of immigrants. And my house was loud, filled with food, 
lots of eating, family coming in and out. My mom should have had a revolving door. My mother was frying meatballs on Sunday mornings. I woke up to that every Sunday morning. The food was just unbelievable. My family is amazing. All of my cousins, holidays, friends coming in and out. It, It just was crazy and loud, but I knew I was loved. What was the message in your house about work ethic, about what really matters? What were those lessons for you? Respect. That's number one. That's, that's third chapter in my book. Respect was a big deal and honor. We had to you know, honor ourselves and honor the people around us and honor the work that we did. We all need role models. Who were your role models when you were growing up? I have to say my first grade teacher, I'm still in touch with her. She was fabulous. I had wonderful teachers. I had wonderful teachers at Pope John High School in Everett. I always wanted to be on radio. So I was always listening to Maddie in the morning uh, growing (laughs) up. So the radio people were big for me. They were your friends. Yes. And speaking of radio, I know that you had a radio show in Atlanta. Let's talk a little bit about that because you do have a voice for radio. I got to tell you. I was on radio for about three or four years in Atlanta. I decided I wanted to be on radio. And I realized that really anybody can be on radio if you want. I was as professional as I possibly could be. I had a great format. I had wonderful guests. I spoke to what I coined second lifers. We were empty nesters, newly single, and those starting over. Let's talk a little bit about this latest article that you sent to me. It's called, There's an Elephant in the Room. And the reason why I thought it might be a good idea to chat with you about this on the show today is because it starts out with, I don't know about you, but I am tired. I am physically, emotionally, and intellectually tired of the conversations, the pain, the anger, the division. It's been a rough ride. It has. What do you say to people? How do we find joy? How do we heal as a country? How do we heal individually? One of the things I've noticed is is what you say here. It's fear. It's fear for your safety. It's fear for your health. It's fear for our future. When you live in fear, you're dying. You're not living. It's just not any way to live. And you have to find some grounding in the way you want to live your life, whatever that means for you. And if that means if you feel a little bit worried about being ill or getting sick or whatever else is going on, then you make your best life at home. We are created to live in community. And when we separate from one another, we suffer. You have to find a way to live your best life every single day, regardless of what is going on around you. What has been the biggest lesson for you so far in your life, Steph? Because it sounds to me as if you've done an awful lot of self-discovery. I have. The thing that's most important is that we each come here with a purpose. We have something to give back. That gives you a sense of self-love and that, yes, I mean something here. And without people recognizing that purpose, the universe is missing a piece of the puzzle and you're an integral piece of that puzzle. What's the best piece of advice you've ever received in your life? Well, with my business coach, he said, Steph, you always have to do the hardest thing first. And I think you can take that into your life by not avoiding, but pushing through. You can't go around 
You can't go under. You got to go through it. That leads to my next question. You know, we all have times in our lives that are hard. And it is true that bad things happen to good people all the time. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? Well, I don't. You can't. I'm not one of those people to run and hide. I never have. I might want to, but I always felt that I need to face things and figure out what is going on here. You can't really avoid it. It's better because in the long run, you end up to be a better person. Put in a little time and effort now to be happier and freer later. Final question. We all have our own vision of what success feels like, what it means to us. At this moment and in this chapter in your life, what does success mean to you? I know there's so many ways to measure success, but for me, the most important thing is to have healthy relationships, whether it's with my children, my family, my friends, and have them be the healthiest they can be because you're not gonna take anything else with you. You're not taking the money, you're not taking the cars, but you will take the love. Steph Palermo, she calls herself just Steph, but she's so much more than that. Thank you so much for being my guest this week on the story behind her success. Thank you so much, Candy, I appreciate it. If you know someone that I should interview, reach out anytime, tell me about her. Candy at CandyOterry.com. And thank you so much for listening to the story behind her success. What's your story? 